that? And well, to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charles Chris. That is Zach Regan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe, because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is not one right now. It is Tuesday. Zach had something to do yesterday, so we had to move it over to Monday, or to Tuesday from Monday. Uh, but usually, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we are live in the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. You can find us there. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the, the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. And then when we go live, you can be a part of the show. Just like people, we already got comments in here. If you're a couple minutes late. And uh, oh, let's see, it's freaking Jeff giving us grief already. But go and uh, be a part of the show because we love responding to everybody's comments. Somebody already says, start Nico. Eddie in the comments there. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> We're going to talk about it all. Here on the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. At Charlie underscore Burris, that's Zach DNT. That A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for everything Zach writes. There you go. Now all the administrative stuff's out of the way. I went to the game this weekend, Zach. It's the first uh, first game that I have been to since the 2020 Florida game, which was not exactly a joy. It had gotten moved to the end of the season because it was the COVID season. Tennessee got their butt kicked from end to end of the field because thank you, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, and I went to uh, UTSA, Tennessee, and uh, Austin handled the game day show with Crompton, which I, I saw. Seems like they did a really great job. And Tennessee just came out firing on all cylinders. It was a lot of fun. And then it became a Tennessee football game in that second half. <laughs> pretty, pretty classic there. We're going to talk about everything that happened that game, what it means for South Carolina coming up, because, Lordy, if you're not nervous about this one, uh, I don't know when you would be nervous for Tennessee football. But what is up, Zach? What was I haven't asked you this yet. What was the feeling, the energy in the stadium on that first play when Joe Milton took it all the way? Was it just kind of like a relief? Like, oh, thank God, it's not going to be another long, long day. You know, you know, we'll get to the third quarter in a little bit, or, you know, was it just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, they can still do that. You know, what 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 was the reaction there? There was definitely astonishment. Um, I think most people were like, where did this come from? Where has this been? What are we doing? How did this happen? Why has he not been doing this this whole time? Uh, there was definitely an element of that. And then just, yeah, pure, pure jubilation, because it... <laughs> I texted y'all the, the day of the game. And I was just like, I don't know, man. I just got a bad feeling about this one. It just feels off. They were they're starting to back up QB and the whole thing is just like and they're they're supposedly, you know, they're kind of at like dark horse group of five team. And then when they came out and just absolutely waxed them in that first half, I was obviously super relieved. But it was I think Tennessee fans were just like you you could feel the tightness in the stadium. It was fun. And it was a, t a Tennessee football environment for sure. Neyland Stadium is always going to be great. But you could just feel, I guess, a relief of just fans going, oh, okay, we are just going to whip these guys. <laughs> you know, okay, thank, thank goodness. It got a little dicey there in the second half for about five minutes. But uh, beyond that, yeah, you you just did what you're supposed to do against UTSA. But it, yes, 
I think there was kind of a, okay, we're not going to do what we did against Florida here and beat ourselves twice and, you know, embarrass ourselves against a bad team. Uh, so yeah, it was nice, but let's just not have that lull in the middle of the game. That, that would be ideal. Yeah, those well, are, I mean, that felt like, I don't think we've really talked about this narrative in a way, but doesn't that kind of feel like the first year under Josh Heifel? Because he had some quarters in that 2021 season when they went seven and six, where it was like the offense is clicking, and then all of a sudden they don't score anything for 15 minutes. And it was that kind of same kind of feel, you know, kind of what we've, we've discussed a little how this season is kind of like that 2021 season, whereas the offense is kind of finding its way like they were that first year under Heifel. But it was a lot of that in that first year. So I don't, I don't think that's totally shocking. It's not a good thing, obviously, right? I mean, you can't do that and beat Alabama. You can't do that and beat Georgia. You probably cannot do that and beat South Carolina or even Texas A&M coming up. So you've you really got to figure that out pretty quickly. But it's not like a red flag, I think, that that some of those things are, are popping up when you're trying to break in. A, a quarterback that started some games but's really new to this being his team, offensive line, you know, we'll get into that a little more too. So I don't, I don't think it's – this major red flag that some people seem to be making it out to be. Agreed. Well, here, let's let's just get right into it. Uh, we'll start by talking UTSA, South Carolina, but specifically kind of the quarterback matchup, uh, I think is, is a really pertinent conversation. Their injuries, uh, we're going to kind of go down. Cooper coming back, but you potentially got some injuries at some very important spots. Also, and of course, Josh Heupel wants to talk about absolutely none of them. Um, and then we'll predict uh, the South Carolina game. And our our producer is going to join us for the the predictions for the game. Uh, I I needed to make a three person graphic, and I forgot to do that. So it's going to be uh, a little. Uh, you'll see the back end of the production here when he comes on. Just which he's the producer. Maybe that makes sense. But he's going to come on predict the South Carolina game with us. It's going to be a great show. And uh, we'll hop right into it right after I tell you about our first great sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Oh, no. I just lost my spot. That's really great. Here it is. Uh, Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash A2Z. Walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That's fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thanks to them. I should have that memorized by now. I mean, they've been sponsoring the show for like two years now. Uh, but thanks to them. Shout out to Farm Bureau. So let's start at the UTSA game. You come out absolutely blazing. Joe rips off the longest touchdown run by a Tennessee quarterback in the uh, history of Tennessee football. Uh, so that, that's fun. It happened right in front of me. I was sitting right in that corner that he ran right into uh, in the end zone. I was like, I don't know, 15, 20 rows up or something. And and that was awesome. Just getting getting to see that. And obviously, when, when I've gone in the past... Like uh, at the spring game, we sat in the press box and I've sat in the press box a lot over the years. Um, but being back in the crowd, feeling that injury, energy, feeling kind of that release that I said, where t- you know, there was a little bit of like, let's not mess around. Let's, you know, let's just do kick these guys butt. And then you kind of saw like, okay, we are going to do that. It, it looks like, and that was nice and really fun. And then you just went 31-0 in the first half and that was great. But here is where this game got a little funky. 
Joe goes down with a sort of awkward looking injury. And then he doesn't play the same after that. Uh, well, it's, I say an awkward looking injury, an awkward hit that looked like he got injured. Since then, Heupel talked about it in his press conference on Monday, and he said, Joe, Joe looks fine. But of course, we know Heupel's history of saying that injured players look fine. Uh, he's not exactly one that you would trust in that facet. But I, what, what do you think about that situation? Zach, you've you've uh, scoured the message boards and looked at what's been said about it and watched Heupel today. What what do you think's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's probably going to be 100%, but I think it's, I mean, that's how quarterbacks go through a season. They don't like to talk about being injured. You know, part of them would love to because it does affect how you play the game. You see with Joe Burrow in the NFL right now, he's not the same guy that he's been, you know, at LSU the last couple of years with the Bengals because of his calf injury. You got to think that maybe that had something to do with Joe Milton in the third quarter there being not as sharp as he was in the first quarter. Maybe not. Maybe he just had a bad quarter. I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't know the totality of the situation, but I certainly think it could have factored in. I do think it's probably a concern. You know, if you're South Carolina, you're probably, you know, that Milton's not going to run like Hendon Hooker did last season, but you know that those design runs, he can do some damage are they still going to utilize those if his knee's not 100%? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some gamesmanship there. Maybe that's why Josh Heupel's – I know, it, like you said, it, it's kind of how he is as a coach, but that's kind of a byproduct of of that is you get to kind of create some doubt on how you use your quarterback. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to play, and as long as it doesn't get re-aggravated or, or something else happen, yeah, I think he'll finish the game, but – I don't know. I mean, I think they're still pretty much going to try to run their offense the way they run it. Uh, I think they wanted that one keeper on tape last week. I don't think they saw 80 yards happening necessarily. That's great if it happens, but a big chunk play really is all they needed right there. Just kind of put that on film to to make other teams respect that. You throw that knee thing in there and it kind of like muddies the waters a little bit. So I think that's probably the extent of it. I don't think it's going to be anything too major. And they are, by the way, Hypel pretty, pretty clearly said, like, hey, the this is pretty standard for us. And that is pretty much the case in any sport. You, anytime something happens with a, an area where you got ligaments, you got to check it out just to make sure everything's good because you don't want to make it worse. I would assume because they, I believe they work directly with KOC, Knox Orthopedic Clinic. Um, last time that I saw, and so they have, you know, ready access to your, your MRIs and, and things like that. And better safe than sorry always when it comes to something like that. But I, I would say this. They took him immediately into the injury tent. I kind of observed from where I was in the stadium. Took him back there. I, I don't know. Did they talk about it on TV? I, did, I didn't. I ended up rewatching a lot of the game on TV, but I didn't take note of that. Well, it looked like Nico was about to go in that following yeah. series. Like he's on the sideline, helmet on, and then there's a little bit of interaction between him and Joe and maybe Hypo and, and some of the offensive players that were standing there. And then it was like, okay, Nico kind of you could just kind of tell his body language change, right? Like he's going from I'm about to lead the offense out here. I gotta be ready to kind of fall him back a little bit and let Milton handle it. So it it looked close, and maybe that was they were just being prepared in case the trainers came back and said, hey, he's a he's a no-go right now. We're going to have to check this thing out further. Go ahead and, and get someone else in the game. 
Yeah, I, I there were co- a couple of moments like that with Nico in the second half. They got up like whatever, thirty eight to set 14 38 to 7 or something it's 38 14 was 38 14 yeah i couldn't remember if there there was a touchdown in between the two touchdowns by utsa but uh the and nico was the first quarterback into you could see it in the in the stadium you had to be in the stadium to see it nico was the first guy to jog into the uh the offensive huddle that they do before they go out for the drive and I texted y'all and I was like, it's Nico time. Nico's going in the game. And, and it was, it was like decently, maybe still the third quarter, I think uh, yeah, at that point. And, and then you could hear on TV, you, you yes. heard, I mean, it, it's, you've had a rough third quarter and then all of a sudden you hear this kind of cheer from the crowd. And I think it was about the same time you texted and all this kind of all happening there at the same time. And it's like, you hear that roar and you're like, Nico's about to go in. And then I, I look at my phone, see the text and you're like, yep, that, there it is. Like he's, it you, like, you just know, like the energy changed. It seemed like on TV that the energy in the stadium changed. Every dude, <laughs> I was sitting beside, uh, I, I think just a, a kid and his, his mom, uh, they were there and, and he, he goes, Oh, Nico's, Nico's going to the game. Oh man. <laughs> and then Joe walked out there and he was like, Oh, Joe's going out again. <laughs> he said it like that. I was like, ah, man, I look. It's he was kind of saying what we all wanted to say in the moment. I you I feel like you have to preface anything like that where you go like Joe's the starter. I'm not saying replace Joe. It's nothing like that. That was just that kid's genuine reaction in that moment. He he just he said that, not me. But also, I was sitting in the stands going, I, I, I was going, I want to see Nico. I don't want to yeah. replace Joe with Nico. I mean, if if Nico goes in the game and he's, you know, dropping dimes, throwing bombs and running all over the place, maybe I do want to see Nico replace Joe. I don't know. But he didn't, ultimately, he didn't get the opportunity to do that. But that, you can feel in the fan base, like, fans are just like, ah, at least let us see the guy. You're curious. Like, I mean, you just want to know. You just want to know. Like, this dude is supposed to be your savior. Like, he's a Heisman candidate like expected Heisman candidate hopefully like a top 10 NFL draft pick I mean he's that type of talent who isn't curious and that's you know you you can be curious about Nico without throwing shade at Milton I don't I think everybody appreciates Joe Milton you know like he said after the game he gives his all for Tennessee no matter what and I don't think anyone will ever 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 dispute that after all he's kind of been through just not only his time at Michigan, but since he arrived at Tennessee and, you know, everything he's stuck through, still getting hit with some criticism from the fan base, even though, you know, like that Florida game, you cannot put that Florida game on Joe Milton. Like the offensive line was not good that night. Receivers didn't help him out. Defense had a really bad second quarter. Like there's so many things in that. Yeah, Joe Milton could have been better, but collectively the whole team could be better. Like a lot of the criticism got thrown his way just seems really unfair. I mean, I, I sent a tweet last night that kind of got misunderstood where Joe Burrow missed uh, uh, Higgins or, or Jamar Chase one wide open in the middle of the field. I was like, if Joe Milton makes that same throw, you know, fans are losing their mind instantly. And it's it wasn't a comparison to Joe Burrow. I mean, goodness, I would hope nobody thought that, even though a few people tweeted that at me. It's just It's just like these things happen, and you cannot jump on him over every single – overthrow like there there are going to be some of those josh dobbs had plenty of them josh dobbs would bounce them in front of receivers he'd overthrow receivers and then hooker had a few of those too like it's going 
to happen to every single quarterback out there, no matter how good you are. Yeah, Milton's got to cut down on him, but we can't we can't keep losing our minds every time he misses a throw. Like that is going to happen in football. It's it's a competitive game. Everything's moving really fast. It, it, it's inevitably going to happen. You want to cut down on it, but I, I do think that he's he's getting a little overly criticized here lately. It seems like. Yeah, exactly what I feared would happen during the season <clears throat> has essentially happened. Because I, I said before the season, you need Joe to go out and, and truly excel. And the, the tough truth with Joe is this. He makes some plays and you go, ooh, there it is. There it is. He he can drop a dime. And he does. I mean, the, the touchdown to Keaton in this game, beautiful. Some just some of the some of the throws, the the first drive of the Florida game, beautiful. Like he it's in there. The the run at the beginning of the UTSA game where you go, oh my gosh, he's on top of being giant, he's also really fast. And look at this. And you see all the talent and everything that's in there. And you just go, I just let it let it all out. Let it go. Be that guy. Because when he's not that guy, it is the fact of life when you have the number one player in America sitting behind you on the bench. That is just how it, I mean, Timothy says it here in the comments. Alabama would love to have Nico right now. That's absolutely true. I mean, they're, they're Milton, out there. Milton, sh- Milton, you mean? The, well, I, I think, to, so Timothy says, says, if Nico was anywhere else, he'd be a star. He says that. In, uh, oh, like, oh, I, I think he's you, talking I about you. Nico. But yeah, I, everybody I mean, would love to have that, yeah. Exactly. Who who wouldn't want to have him? And, and he's on your bench right now. I, I think probably at the moment, not a terrible decision with how bad your offensive line is. And and so that's, it's just played out pretty much how, how I probably thought it would. Joe has had good moments. He hasn't been that Heisman guy, but he hasn't been, he simply has not been good enough to outrun the fact that he has the number one player in America sitting behind him on the bench. He just hasn't been. And so here, here it is having this uh, discussion, you know? Um, so that is kind of its own, its own discussion there. And, and maybe we can get to it in a minute, but I, I wanted to finish talking about that game. Tennessee comes out flat in that second half. Joe looks off and you don't know if it's the injury or not. I agree with you. I think ultimately he's probably not going to be 100%. He may just be like 80%. Hopefully he's not scared to run. You still, because it, you can just see, and you saw it with Hooker last year, and you can see it in that UTSA game when he rips off that giant run. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful tool that you have to have to keep teams honest, to make that running game work better. Because, I mean, when you when you run an option play and you know that the quarterback's not going to keep it, then that's an entire element of your offense that you can just take right out of there. You know, there's a lot to the fact that Joe could run. And, uh, so, you know, you, and you want to see him, uh, you know, a lot of people said that it it seemed like he was hesitant to, to push against that leg when he was throwing. And that, that caused a few of those poor throws in the second half, whatever that is, that just better not happen because it just, it can't happen in this game against South Carolina. Spencer Radler theoretically is going to throw all over you and you might end up in a shootout. And so you can't be, you can't be that way. (laughs) It has to work better than that. And, uh, that, that's just a fact of life, but. You come out poorly in the second half, but it wasn't just the offense. It wasn't just Joe looking off. The defense, they, was it uh, Kitna's uh, 
not not Kitna. McCown. 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 Josh McCown's uh, nephew or something. Kid, I um, think, right? Was it his kid? Might have been. I don't kid. know. There's so many McCowns. Luke, Josh. It was one of them. Yeah, whoever it was. Um, but he's in that family tree, and he shredded Tennessee on two straight drives, and Joe couldn't do anything to to answer, and it just was looking like, uh, don't, let's not do this. Come on, this is not. I even tweeted. Well, I had tweeted, oh, I, I picked a really great game to come to in the first half. And then I tweeted after that, I said, oh, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't such a great game to come to. <laughs> it's it's the Tennessee way, but go go ahead. Yeah, part, part of the reason is because UTSA held the ball for whatever. I mean, that, that first yeah. drive in the third quarter went, I mean, it seemed like it was never, ever, ever going to end. And, you know, they eventually scored, pushed it in, and Tennessee goes three and out, and it was the, you know, pass, run, you know, incomplete pass, four-yard run, incomplete pass. You've taken virtually no time off the clock. And that is the one thing we talked about before really the 2021 season when we were kind of learning what Josh Heupel's offense was about. And then really as we, we saw it in action was that's when Tennessee gets in trouble. You cannot have these really, really quick three and outs where your defense is on the sideline for really less than a minute of real time if that, you know, maybe a little more counting the kickoff. But for time, I mean, it's like a minute that you're on the sideline, and it's just hard to catch your breath, even with good depth. And you got to go right back out there and try to stop an offense that suddenly has a little bit of momentum. That's when the things start to snowball. And, that, and that's really kind of what happened against Florida, along with some mistakes that Tennessee made. You can't do it against Florida and win. We saw that. The UTSA, luckily, there's enough talent gap there and and Tennessee was fortunate that UTSA did not approach this game like Austin P did where they totally revamped their approach the coach was pretty open about having a very unique game plan for Tennessee well Jeff Trailer the UTSA head coach ahead of this game you know, pretty much said we're not going up there to to run trick plays or to come up with this special game plan for Tennessee like we're going to play our game and to get better like they're trying to win a conference championship they use, yeah, of course they want to go compete, win that game, but they also were a little bit realistic. It was like we're going to go be us and try to improve who we are. So I think that kind of helped Tennessee a little bit. Honestly, when they when they struggled with McCown, I think maybe I can't remember if somebody mentioned this or not, or, or it was just kind of like a speculation. But it's probably because they weren't really preparing for him as much as the other quarterbacks. Yeah. And you come in there, and there's a suddenly a guy doing something that you haven't really planned for. It's not a surprise that they were able to do, you know, get, get some points there on Tennessee in that quarter, but just all those things are things that you can't happen. Like you can't have that third quarter happen at any point against South Carolina. Cause like you said, Spencer Rattler, you saw what he could do last season. He's kind of like the perfect villain for Tennessee fans. I feel like, cause he's a good player, but he's not a super likable guy. Like he's kind of arrogant. He's a little cocky. He, he talks a little. He kind of knows the limit on not to not to go too far over the line to give another team a lot of bulletin board material. But he's he's got a confidence about him that I think is makes Tennessee fans nervous. And I think you know after last season, it, it probably should because this dude can can go off at any time. Even against UNC, the game they lost, you know, before the Georgia game, he he didn't play bad at all. Like the offensive line didn't play well. They had a lot of pre-snap penalties going on too that kind of hurt themselves they were getting behind on third downs I mean there's a lot of stuff that really 
wasn't Rattler's fault, just in the same way that you might not blame Milton for everything. So he he can get hot in a, in a heartbeat. And if you have a third quarter like that, it could it could really get away quick from you. Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think you're going into a game where the potential for your opposing team putting up 14 points in a hurry is is right there. And I mean, Brandon Coleman, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but he says, <clears throat> do we have anyone that can keep up with Xavier Leggett? Uh, no. <laughs> no, we do not. Can At least squirrel, not that I've can seen. Squirrel, can Squirrel play yeah. DB? Is, uh, is D. Williams ready to figure <laughs> out there? Exactly. Corner? Yeah. Uh, if we do, I haven't seen him yet. Um, and so because of that, you cannot have a lull like you did in this UTSA game. It is not an option. And look, the, obviously the stadium is not going to be an excuse. I think this atmosphere is going to be off its damn rocker. Like, just going to be awesome. Bla- obviously, blackout, which was so cool last year. And I think fans want to see that and are excited to see that. And uh, was is it going to be checkered? Did I am I making that up? I've seen mixed things on that. I don't I don't think that's been officially endorsed by the uh by Tennessee quite yet. I've seen some people trying to push the checker thing, some people trying to push the uh orange thing. I feel yeah. like it's a it's like it's almost too much to like just be loud. Like you be like that yeah. old miss game in twenty twenty one. Be hostile. I mean, not don't shower the field with with plastic trash and, and all this other stuff. <laughs> Or do whatever you feel like to do. I don't. I don't know. Like whatever happens, happens. But yeah, you you got to have that same type of atmosphere uh, for this game because that's what's that's what's buried Tennessee against Georgia, Florida, South Carolina. You got to return the favor here. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Eli says no formal checker yet. Uh, Jason says Saturday is going to be fire. Brand, Brandon says he's going to be there. Very envious. I'll be doing my show with Jonathan Crompton here at the house, but. Uh, and make sure you watch that halftime post game here on the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. Um, but I, that obviously that's not going to be an excuse with the stadium. The stadium is going to be completely behind you. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be crazy. It's going to work for you, and it's going to work against Spencer Rattler. And you got to hope that their their offensive line, which has been pretty bad, is and going to be as bad as it has been. Not a lot of depth. I think he said today they've have seven offensive linemen on their roster that aren't practicing right now. I don't know how much talent he's talking about there. I know you, you know you you've obviously got a lot of players, but still, that's a lot of dudes hey, aren't practicing. Exactly, and you know, one guy goes down, you might be up a creek more than you already are. That what they take and, nine sacks against UNC. I want to say, yeah, honestly, I mean that's if if Tennessee, like I know, I feel like we've been kind of doomsday here, and and a lot of that's because of Rattler and and Leggett, like they're ridiculous players and they are going to be a problem but Tennessee does have some advantages in this game yes like there are the offensive line is one and Tennessee's offensive line hasn't been great but you're you're hopefully getting Cooper Mays back which gives you a little more depth I doubt he plays the whole game but that that gives you a little bit of of depth there along the offensive line and South Carolina does not have defensive line depth I mean Shane Beamer said this week on Sunday during his teleconference with with local reporters there in Columbia that they're pretty much playing like the same five defensive linemen all game. And if Tennessee gets its tempo going and gets in that rhythm, there's just no way those dudes are going to be able to keep up uh, with that tempo late into the game. I mean, that's the, that's the stuff that burnt Tennessee two years ago when they were in, in these games against Alabama late and they weren't able to close it out or Ole Miss South Carolina is kind of in that same spot, but you've got to get that tempo going. I mean, 
You should be able to. South Carolina statistically is like the worst defense in the SEC right now. I mean, Mississippi State is totally changing offensive systems with, with without Mike Leach there. And they still had almost 500 passing yards against South Carolina last week, you know, you know, in a 37-30 loss. So there are things to exploit there. But, you know, if you make it these self-inflicted mistakes, you know, Tennessee can get in their own that year. As long as they don't get in their own way, I think I think they got a chance to open the game up. Uh, I do too. It, it really could go either way when, in that aspect. If you, if you start slow, you let South Carolina get some momentum. We've already seen this Tennessee team doesn't really do well with, with overcoming a deficit because you're constantly having to throw the ball. You're not really able to get into your offense the way you want to. So, you know, it can go south that way. But conversely, on the flip side, you can you can open up a big lead quick if you can exploit this rough South Carolina defense. Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll give our full rundown of the South Carolina game in <clears throat> just a minute. But uh, the next thing I want to talk about here specifically, well, where exactly do do we want to go next? So there's you know quarterbacks, there's defense, there's a lot going on here. Let's let's go defense. We can talk about that next and where exactly that that fell after this UTSA game. Got uh, got some sponsor reads. We got to do. Got to pay the bills here. Also, I <laughs> I always forget. I love our sponsors, uh, but I'll tell you first about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey before we move on here. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than an amazing whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Log Still Distillery has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. I've had both. They're both awesome. Uh, they go great in cocktails, great just drinking neat out of glass. Go and get your hands on a bottle in stores across Tennessee. They're also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk to get some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Follow them on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Support them. Go, go get you a bottle. For a win over South Carolina, be prepared. You you know you got to be prepared, and and I've I've been saying this since the Florida game. Uh, not only does it go great with the victory, it went pretty well after that Florida loss too. <laughs> I will say, uh, but you in in this game coming up. Let's let's just get straight to this. South Carolina does have dudes that are very concerning now. Their who people thought was going to be their top wide receiver coming into this year, Juice Wells, is out. Um, and you know, thoughts thoughts to him. Hopefully he, he gets better quick, but let's be completely honest here. That is helpful for Tennessee. Don't beat around the bush there. It's it's honestly big the fact that Juice Wells is not playing in this game. That said, Xavier Xavier Leggett, Leggett, however it, you would say it, absolutely carved up Mississippi State. Just Ran all over them, when or caught the ball over all over them. However, <laughs> you want to say that. Um, and Spencer Radler, I think somebody said in the in the comments here when I mentioned he got sacked nine times in that uh, North Carolina game. Yeah, here it is. Jason says, yeah, but he still threw for crazy yardage. That is true. He can get sacked, and he's still, you know, tossing the rock all over the yard there, and <clears throat> that's. That's just concerning overall. Now, they did against Mississippi State, who doesn't have some incredible defense. 
South Carolina stalled out for a pretty good amount of time. They, they, I believe they got a 14-point lead, then they, they blew that. Mississippi State came all the way back, tied the game, uh, and, and you know stalled out on some drives despite the fact that Rattler was, uh, was throwing the ball pretty well. I think he, what, he missed like three passes that entire game, I want to say. It was some crazy stat line like that. Um, you can't let that happen. To me, the key is your pass rush. They have a seemingly soft offensive line that seems like it's gotten a little better against Mississippi State from where it was against North Carolina. You have to get into that backfield. That's your 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 defensive linemen have to be your defensive backs, essentially. You you have to use pressure on the quarterback to force incompletions because I'm not so sure that your defensive backs are gonna be able to do that. Like, like you said, Zach, not to be doom and gloom. Genuinely. I think you got to be honest when you have this conversation. Who's going to be stopping these boys? And I, you look at that set of defensive backs. I mean, I think has has Gabe Judy Lolly probably been your best guy so far back there? Certainly hasn't been Kamal Haddon. <laughs> well, know? that's and that's uh, look like Tamiri uh, McDonald maybe. Yeah, McDonald's had some rough moments. He had a good game yeah, against true. GPSA, but he's had. I mean, every, I think everybody's kind of had some rough moments. But even with with Judy Lolly. If Slaughter comes back, it sounds like there'll be more splitting time with yeah. Haddon maybe playing over there. I mean, at this point, Kamal Haddon, like I hate to, I hate to pile on the guy because you know it, it's just not what I prefer to do. But he hasn't played well. Like there, there's just been so many. T- like, we've all seen it. Not looking for the ball, kind of talking a lot of junk after maybe you're not your best play. Some of the pass interference stuff. Like it, it just. I don't see the upside to playing him over some of the younger guys at this point. We haven't seen the younger guys in a lot, so we don't know how good or bad it is, but neither neither does Tennessee. Like, they see it in practice. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, we know firsthand that that doesn't always tell the full story. Sometimes you get out there and it's it's okay. We didn't know we had this here. Wish we would have been playing him sooner. Like, why not take some chances in, in some of these games? I I don't know the deal there. I, I would prefer to see like Slaughter and, and Judy Lally kind of opposite each other as opposed to Haddon, but I, you know, maybe they do switch it up a little this weekend. They're going to have to do something different secondary-wise. I mean, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, Mr. Jones says it here. He says Haddon hadn't been getting any better. <laughs> um, Yeah, it, it's – I think there's a chance that your defensive backs get into it a bit of a dire situation in, in this game. If well, and, and, and Jason says it here against players like Rattler, Rattler, you have to take chances and risk. If you play Ben, don't break zone coverage. Rattler will pick us apart. I, I go back and I think about the Florida game last year where they played soft and they just let Anthony Richardson throw for a billion yards against them. And it's just, to me, that's not the way you have to be trying, actively trying to force turnovers, getting in their face, you know, do you have the ability to play actual, you know, press man? Probably not, but you know, it'd be nice if you did and, and just actually give them a hard time. And that, and that's why I say your defensive line basically has to be your, your set of defensive backs in this game. They have to pressure Radler or else this is, this is going to go off the rails. Now you can't say this last time there was a blackout in Neyland stadium and it was that loud and it was that crazy. Um, Kentucky got so rattled in that game. And maybe, speaking of rattled, maybe Rattler 
gets rattled in this one. You, you should, I mean, Bryce Young got rattled last year. You remember in that first half when Tennessee took that 18 point lead, it looked like it looked like Tennessee was about to blow those boys out of the building. And, and so that environment can get to anybody. Uh, just like I think that Florida environment got to Tennessee last week. And, and so may, maybe that helps and you get a bunch of pre-snap penalties and all of these things. But at, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to, you're still going to have to make plays. Yeah. I think, I think you, I mean, to get into what you're saying right there, like bring pressure early against a rattler when the stadium is going to be loud. Yes. Like, obviously yes. we don't know who's going to get the ball first, but if South Carolina gets the ball first, which is probably your preference, if you're hype when you win the toss, you want to defer. You got to bring pressure early. You got to try to get Aaron Beasley. Who's a great blitzer. Uh, Wesley Walker, who is who has done well blitzing at times, you got to get those guys to to try to get to Rattler early and and rattle him, uh, for lack of a better word. And and look, the dude's playing really confident right now. He's playing free. He's not overthinking. He's playing the way you want Joe Milton to play. Like I think if Joe Milton would get out of his own head just a little bit right now, and that's easier said than done, right? Like I mean, it's that's the that's the thing that you kind of constantly fight in pro sports to push yourself over the edge or college sports, either one is, is not thinking too much. And Rattler is playing that way right now, but if you can get to him early a few times, get them in some third and long situations and contain him to where he doesn't run for 20 yards on third and 15, because if that happens, I'm going to lose my mind. I think we all will, <laughs> but you got to kind of set the tone early. Like, I think, I don't think you're going to knock Rattler out of this game mentally. Like you're not just going to get him so, far off that he's making crazy mistakes but you got to get him thinking back there a little bit you got to make him kind of confused on what's coming at you if you're tim banks you can't you cannot let him kind of telegraph what the defense is doing you got to switch things up a little bit your game plan's gonna have to be a little bit different than what you've done the first four weeks and put on tape if you really want to get to this guy absolutely well i think we could go on the defense for a while well i'll throw this in here at the end Weiss brings up an interesting point. He said, I think Haddon catches too much flack. 36.4% completion rate when targeted, 5.1 yards per reception. Leads the team in pass breakups at five when the second place guy is only at one. And then he says his mistakes have just been. Yeah, that's fair. And that is true. I yeah. mean, there's a reason they're playing him, right? Like these coaches, it's their livelihood. I, I don't, you're not going to agree with everything they do. I do think they slant towards veterans a little too much. Yeah. Uh, especially when they've kind of made some of these mistakes. But, yeah, hadn't – look, DBs are kind of like referees. You don't really notice them until they're – you know, unless they're making a great play. But as far as just routine drives, if they're covering a guy and they're not throwing their way, you're not really noticing them. But they're doing their job uh, in those times. So that is – uh, it, it is hard to evaluate DBs sometimes, especially just if you're watching the TV copy because you don't you – don't you don't see everything. For sure. Well, let's let's move on and talk about this before we get to the the predictions with our producer Matt. Um, let's talk about these injuries that are coming up in this game, and specifically Cooper Mays. A lot of people want to know. I think a couple of people have already said it in the comments here. What is it going to mean if and when Cooper Mays comes back in this game? And we're going to talk about it right after I tell you about our new sponsor. They're they're a return sponsor to the show, but a new sponsor for this season, and that is HelloFresh. Uh, again, if I can actually get my uh, my read up here. Uh, mm, here it is. <laughs> With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients 
and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why it is America's number one meal kit. You can kickstart a fresh fall routine. With HelloFresh, HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and then you get to take the credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you time to spare. And with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With the quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery. I can tell you, <clears throat> they just sent me a box this week. We have eaten it. Uh, we actually, I told you before we got on here, Zach, of eating it two days in a row. We've actually eaten it three days in a row. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, and and it really is. It's it's all right there. You don't, you know, if you if you're working that office job all the way up to to six o'clock, they and you don't have time to go to the grocery store. They deliver it right to your door. It's right there. You crack it open. You're making dinner, and uh, you know, right there when you open it. Uh, so go to HelloFresh.com slash Vols, V-O-L-S, and use code Vols for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Uh, that is code Vols, HelloFresh.com slash Vols, code Vols, 50% off plus 15% off your next two months. That is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I like Thanks. the energy you said that first Vols with, by the way. Balls. Yes. Was it, was it like that? Was that it? V O L S. Yes. <laughs> spell it out next time. V. Yes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so with these injuries, let's. We already talked about Joe. We think he's going to be all right, but not a hundred percent. Is what it seems like. Just judging from everything that's been said, he got, you know, s- supposedly got the MRI over the weekend or on Monday. All right, but maybe not 100%. We hope that he can run at full bore because that's such a big element when, when you see how effective it was on that opening drive for Tennessee and some things like that. But the one that everybody's wondering about is Cooper Mace. Every single week, it's been, can Cooper play? Can Cooper play? Can Cooper play? Can Cooper play? It does look like this week, from everything that we've heard, it is likely that he will play. Now, some of the stuff that we've seen is that it may be spotty. It may be kind of a working him in and and getting his feet back under him from being out for six weeks. Now, I mean, you're going on like seven weeks at this point, I think, Mm, from when he had that surgery, reportedly. Um, And so, you know, he's going to be rusty. But at the same time, probably, you know, just knowledge-wise, football IQ-wise, it's probably there more with Cooper, even if he's not 100%. It's probably there more just because he was your center all of last year through your great run and with Hooker and, and everything. He just knows that offense more. And the guys that you've been playing in that position, that's not their natural position, or at least the position that Hypo wants them to be playing in. And so with all that said, do you think that Cooper supposedly, hopefully coming back in this game will make a big difference? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play. Like, I know we've, we've, Kind of went over that a little, but like I'll believe it when I see it type deal. I, I think he'll make a difference, just like you said, the communication aspect. I mean, that's been a huge part of it, I feel like, is just kind of getting everybody where they need to be on the offensive line. I don't know really how the center and the quarterback really work in tandem in Tennessee's offense. Everything's moving so fast. I think they might kind of independently have to be on the same page without really 
knowing it. But even then, that's that's a huge. I mean, Cooper knows this offense way, way better than Ollie Lane as far as operating it. Way better than Dane Davis. So that will that will be a huge, you know, bonus getting him back if he does indeed play. But the continuity there, how does that? I mean, we've seen before in in not just football, every sport. Sometimes when you're bringing a guy back and you've kind of been getting into this rhythm, it's almost like it starts over. It, does that cause any issues for Tennessee's offense? I wouldn't think so because the offensive line play has been it's been pretty rough, you know, to this point. Even guys that we thought would be, you know, a little bit stronger haven't like Spragans has had some kind of tough moments there that we've seen uh, as well as the left. Pretty much the whole interior has not been great early this season. So any bringing Cooper back has to elevate that play a little bit. But how much, I don't know, it's just so hard to say without knowing how effective he'll be, how many snaps he's going to play. How in shape is he? I mean, I'm sure he's been working out and trying to trying to stay active. But that was a pretty, you know, Volquest reported it was a, a triple hernia surgery with an abdominal tear. I mean, that's I'm not a doctor, but that sounds pretty intensive. Like, I mean, yeah, you you would have a little more insight on that. But that that's yeah, that's it's understandable if if they would have told us that in August, and I know the rumors were out there, right? The rumblings, the message board rumors and all this kind of stuff and the hints. But if they would have just came out straight up second week of August and said, hey, you know, Cooper Mays had to have a, a, a procedure done that was kind of unrelated to a football injury maybe or however you want to frame that, he's going to be out maybe the first month of the season. We're not really sure how that recovery goes. It's going to be kind of take it week by week once we get into the season. I think every – like. The whole drama of this, like, why isn't Cooper playing? What happened? Is he choosing not to play? Why Why won't he go out there? Like, all this stuff that nobody really knows because we're all speculating. Like, really, Cooper Mays is, is the one that knows the most. And then those very close to him, the conversations that have happened, could have avoided all of that by just kind of putting it out there. And I don't see that keeping this information away from your opponent really gives you that much of an advantage. I mean, Florida prepared like Cooper Mays was going to play because Josh Heupel talked like they were going to, like he was going to play. I don't think that really impacted Florida's game plan at all, or the way that their defense attacked Tennessee's offense at all. I think you prepare for Cooper. If he's not there, then Hey, maybe it'll be easier on us today. Like that's, I mean, I feel like that's probably the mindset that most of these teams have. So I don't think the gamesmanship thing, like at some point, that's going to get old. I mean, for your opponents and, and I know everybody does it to some extent. Jimbo Fisher does it at Texas A&M all the time, but I just, I think you're, I think he put Cooper kind of in a bad spot with that. And maybe Cooper asked him not to say anything. Like we really, again, that's why I haven't speculated a ton on it up until this point, because we just don't know what conversations happen. We don't know what Cooper asked. We don't know if, if Hypel decided to handle it one way or wanted to handle it a different way and just couldn't because of Cooper's wishes. Like, we don't know any of that. So, I don't know. I just felt like from the start, Tennessee probably could have handled that differently. I agree. I mean, after I, I found out some of the supposed details of that entire situation, I've, in in my day jobs, when I haven't been in media full-time, I've been around healthcare and even, weirdly, specifically around guys that did that did hernia surgeries for a time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's a routine procedure. Even an abdominal tear is a lot of the time, unless just, you know, a crazy abdominal tear, or a puncture wound or something. But 
The thing is that with the nature of what he's doing, you think about that motion where you're lifting up and stretching your abdomen like that to play center in college football against some of the you know, biggest dudes in, in the sport, in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not exactly an ideal situation. Even Kyle here in the comments, he said, I had a hernia fixed, and it sucks. Uh, it absolutely does. Um, and so after I heard the nature of that, I was like, okay, it's actually kind of understandable that it's taken him this long to get back multiple hernias and an abdominal tear. Then, then the abdominal tear most likely came from the hernias, if you know the nature of a hernia. But regardless, um, it's and so I would bet that it's split reps. And on, honestly, that could be interesting because you'll actually see the juxtaposition of, oh, here's how it is with Cooper. And here's how it is with not Cooper, <laughs> you know? And, and so maybe you'll get to see those kind of side by side and actually get to compare them against an SEC defense, an SEC defense. That's not exactly amazing, but you know, I, I believe they are dead last in the league in multiple categories, South Carolina, but um, regardless, I, I think it could be big getting him back because as you said, the, the psychological element of having a guy that just knows that position in this offense better. And that that could be big. We'll see. Yeah, and, now, and hopefully, it helps your depth too. It's true. Yes, because uh, what, kind of like Ali Lane was going to have that left guard spot early on, didn't it? Yep. And then so. Carrick, Carrick has been doing his best. Has been trying, <laughs> but not exactly killing it at that position. Um, and and so yeah, I mean, I I think if you could get guys back in the the positions that they want to be in and get Mays back from from surgery that'd be nice now you also have some other considerations kyle says here in the comments hope that nico slaughter comes back yeah i I think that would be nice you also have i mean what have we heard on ramel keaton is he i think he's probably the most up in the air of the receivers uh so i I mean i imagine like everybody else probably could be all right i'm betting that uh josh heupel will you know he'll be on the SEC teleconference Wednesday. He'll be on vault calls Wednesday night, Thursday. He'll have his press conference. He'll probably get asked Thursday at that press conference about Keaton. And he'll probably say, well, we'll see where he's at on Friday, knowing that he won't speak to the media again before Saturday. That's kind of the way Hypel's handled pretty much every injury over the last two years. Uh, those Thursday press conferences really are almost pointless for to even drag the media out there. Yeah. Just Heupel doesn't really answer any, any of those questions. So, I mean, and that's fine. I'm like, I, I think I'm not picking on Josh Heupel. I think a lot of college football coaches are in that same category, but if Keaton doesn't play, I mean, Caleb Webb got a lot of run in that UTSA game and, and looked pretty good at times. Scored a touchdown. First touchdown. Yeah. So he, he, he'll probably get more action. I mean, really, he, he kind of looks ahead of Dante Thornton at this point. And you've seen, Dante Thornton's yeah. abilities, like he's got the pure athletic ability. And look, I mean, we were on the field with this guy at the spring game. He's huge. He's long. He looks like an NFL wide receiver. It just takes a little bit of time to learn this offense. And I don't, it's probably never fair to really put the type of expectations that we put on him. But I think you'll, I think you'll start to see him become more of a factor as the season goes along. If Keaton's out, I mean, that's a huge opportunity. So if you, if you get that chance, if you're Thornton to go out there ahead of Caleb Webb, you you got to make the most of it because you might not get that opportunity again if Caleb Webb continues to progress the way he is, which is great. I mean, that's that's what you want from that guy. 
hopefully uh that if if Keaton is out, hopefully I think Webb will be an adequate replacement and I, I think he'll his potential is all there. I mean his his potential compared to the, the guys that you have, I mean his ceiling is probably higher than anybody else you're probably putting on the field at the moment. Maybe Brew, Brew McCoy just out of pure physicality. Um, but out of anybody else, he Webb probably has the highest ceiling in terms of his, his entire time at Tennessee. He may end up in the, you know, in the best spot out of any of the dudes that are currently in your starting rotation of wide receivers. But, um, so I, I think you're fine there now. The, just in terms of injuries, I was trying to think, was there, that was it. That was pretty much it. Some of the other wide receivers didn't play for a chunk of that second half, right? But it hopefully just precautionary. Nothing. Yeah, I think uh, Campbell, John Campbell, I think they pulled out at one point. Just, I think yeah. Nancy was in there playing left tackle. I think he's going to be okay. I, I, I don't think anything major. I think really the concern over Milton, Ramel Keaton, and Cooper is kind of like your, your three main things you're looking at going into this game. Yeah, so there's... There's that, and so hopefully it all it all comes together because got to win this game. Exactly. <laughs> you... That that's that's the toughest part out of all of this is that you have all of these questions and all of these kind of moving parts that are coming into this, and you're not a hundred percent confident in in Milton in the way that you you were with Hooker, and you're just there's just a feeling around this game of. I think Tennessee may go in and kick South Carolina's butt. There is, without a doubt, there's a decently likely scenario where that happens, I think. I, I would give it maybe a 30% chance of it being a wipe the floor with these guys, kind of blowout, especially if the crowd gets involved, Rattler gets gets shaken. Um, <clears throat> But that other 70%... <laughs> from the 30% blowout there. That's where things can get a little dicier. Is it a shootout? Is it, you know, close? You have to outlast them. Is it you're coming from behind? There's a lot of different ways that it could go. So let's just get to uh, to predicting the game. Well, previewing, predicting the game right after I tell you about our final great sponsor. Another uh, new sponsor of the show this season is in sports. This is, I got too many things open. I got to simplify my live sack. Here it is, finally. It's football season. And it's time to switch to Zen Sports, the fastest growing sports book in Tennessee, changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program. When you're Zen Sports uh, with code A to Z T N, earn a welcome bonus that gives you 5% cash back on your total betting volume for your first 15 days of betting. Think about that uh, for just a second. It's an insane offer. Uh, if you have friends who bet on sports, share your Zen Sports referral bonus code with them. You will earn 3% of their betting volume for their first six months of betting on Zen Sports with no cap on how much you can earn. So what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you can be earning real cash rewards with Zen Sports. Download today on the App Store or at ZenSports.com. Your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 older to bet in Tennessee. We're going to get uh, producer Matt here in here in uh, just a second if we can get it figured out. And then we're going to predict this game. Oh, there he is right there. So 
let me let me get all my my graphics in order. And here we go. Matt, what is up, my man? What's going on, guys? How are we doing? Doing all right. Thanks for joining the show. This is that. <laughs> Pull the curtain back here uh, a little bit. This is actually the first time that I've spoken to you. I don't know if Zach has Zach obviously full. Now this is first time for uh, for all three of us. <clears throat> yeah. So there you go. So you're you're the the man behind the scenes. The the clips and all of that stuff doesn't get put up on YouTube uh, without you. But you are also a Tennessee fan. Do you, do you go to Tennessee? Do you yes, Tennessee? sir. I'll be a senior. There you go. So he's a vol. Campus and is so buzzing, he, boys. Campus is buzzing. Yeah, he you you may or may not be biased in this uh in, oh, in this oh, yeah. scenario. Oh, yeah. Uh but obviously we were just breaking down a game. Give it our take on, you know, will Rattler be able to carve us up? Will Joe be able to be the, the guy that he needs to be to win this game? You are our guest uh tonight. How how are you feeling? You said campus is buzzing. How are you feeling about this one? Campus is buzzing, guys. I'll tell you what, I love a story behind a game. And finally, Tennessee has a story behind a game here. Revenge game, all black. It's a funeral for South Carolina. All my friends are excited. It's it haven't felt this energy since since Florida last year. You know, it's been a weird year so far. But I'm telling you what, there is something buzzing in the air right now. It's I think it's gonna be a funeral. I don't know. The all black, especially the with the uniform reveal yesterday. South Carolina doesn't know what's going. You know, know, the last time Tennessee wore black uniforms against South Carolina, 2009, when Kiffin mm-hmm. you know, was at Tennessee, I think Shane Beamer was an assistant on that South Carolina team. So he's he's he knows what Tennessee can do in these night games with those yeah. dark uniforms. So that's a good sign. When when was he actually at Tennessee? Because he was a GA oh, in Tennessee. Like 03, 04 is a long 05. Was a while ago. Was back in the day, yeah. It, it got unearthed that he has a degree from the University of Tennessee, actually. Uh, I saw people tweet about that today. I think it was. Yeah, he it was, mentioned uh, it today during his yeah. press conference. He's got a sports oh, okay. management or something master's. That's why. I didn't that's even know that. That's a, that's actually hilarious. Yeah, just with that with that grad assistantship, I guess he ended up with an actual degree from a, a real college like Tennessee. Um, Well, Let's predict this game uh, between the three of us. We're already coming up on an hour here for the show. Um, I'll uh, I usually I'll throw it to Zach first. We've been talking about yeah, this whole you, time. You probably should because I have a feeling the way these predictions are going to go. Probably want to get mine out of the way here. Okay. Look, I predicted right. <laughs> I predicted I predicted Tennessee to beat Florida. That did not go well. So I'm going to go for some reverse karma here. And look, this is. Spencer Rattler is a better quarterback than Graham Mertz. The offense, South Carolina's offense, is better than Florida's. I know it's at Neyland, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick South Carolina to win a shootout here and hope that I'm wrong. I'm gonna go 45, 45, 42. Oh my gosh! Because I feel partially responsible for the uh, the debacle in the swamp. A couple of weeks. Charlie shares some some blame there too. I think he picked Tennessee yes. as well. So. Uh, I don't know. I gotta. I gotta hedge my emotions here with with something. That's that's the only way I know how to do it. What score? What'd you say? Forty five, forty two. I don't. Like, I don't think South Carolina's going to stop Tennessee. Like that defense is awful. It's nothing compared to Florida's. But Tennessee hasn't really shown that they can stop a, a high powered offense either. So I just. I just think South Carolina might have the ball last, and and will win that way in a heartbreaker because I'm back on the, those vibes now. Wow! Wait, how quickly yeah. we took that. It happens turn. fast, man. It happens fast. Ugh. Well, okay. Well, Matt, maybe maybe you can save. I'll I'll save mine 
mine for last. Yeah. Where I'll are you at on your your prediction? I'll save the fans here after Zach's comment. Um, I was I was talking with the roommates. I was talking with the students. We're thinking 31-24, Tennessee sneaks out with a win. Mm. Juice Wells, one of their good wide receivers, is not playing. Um, Joe looks – after that injury, I was scared. But Joe looks good. He looks healthy. I think this is a legacy game for Joe. I think, honestly, I hate to say this game comes down to if we can make Rattler uncomfortable. I think we need Tyler Barron. We need the whole D-line because when he's comfortable, he's on it. You know, he's a top five quarterback in the country, especially when he's on it. I think if we can put pressure on him early and and make him uncomfortable and get some sacks early, I mean, Nealon will feed off the team and the defense. Just like that Alabama game, the crowd was there. I think 31-24. I think this is a legacy game for Joe, but the defense has to put pressure on Rattler early and often. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking. I hope that does happen. I Man, it's happened to multiple people here, though, because Mr. Jones here in the comments, he used to be like a real, like, Tennessee's going 13-0, and it's like mm-hmm. sunshine sunshine pumping. He says, worst offense in Heupel's career. Joe took us from first to worst. Mr. Jones, he's he's <sighs> taking the black pill. <laughs> he's, here, here's what I have to say uh, about all – Zach, Mr. Jones – Stop being a Debbie Downer. Tennessee, I think Tennessee will win this game. Um, I don't score wise, man. It's tough. I kind of feel the way that you do, Matt. Like I, I, I definitely think it's probably going to be. It's not going to be blow blowout town. I said I gave it like a thirty percent chance of that happening. It's on the low end. Everything else has has a higher percent chance. Like it's. Certainly possible. It's there. You get in Rattler's ear and he just goes off the rails and maybe. So I'll 30 is the magic number. We know Josh Heupel, I believe in his career winless when he doesn't score 30, say 30, 38, 24. So Tennessee does cover and maybe it's a late touchdown and I'll go there. If anybody wants to drop to the comments to score predictions, I I see uh, Elias, he says, 37-24 Vols. Oh, you right there with me. Uh, Radler throws for a billion yards, but it's on like 50-plus attempts. I Yes, I think that would be fine. Um, he he Like like Anthony Richardson with Florida last year, he threw all over you, but ultimately it, it didn't amount to enough, almost amounted to enough. But um, otherwise, any anything else, boys, with this game? Are you betting, Zach, are you betting this game, Charlie? Are you betting... Based on your prediction, I tweeted this out. Should I do an emotional hedge and and bet? I guess either South Carolina money line, South Carolina plus twelve and a half. Because if you if you bet South Carolina plus twelve and a half, you could also win even if Tennessee wins uh, up to twelve and a half points. But then you yeah. give yourself the motivation to be like, oh well, I don't want Tennessee to cover. That feels a little weird. Um, Can't bet against the hometown team, guys. I I know it's hard, but exactly. I just I don't, don't bet Tennessee. Do like I don't bet Tennessee because I never the emotions get too involved and it's not. It just, I'm, I'm not a great better. I don't. Better I don't anyway. touch. I don't touch the balls either. I don't yeah. touch them. I think it's the best uh, best philosophy to have. Yeah. Colby says, "I love the 31 take by Matt. 24. Uh, Mr. Jones. Oh, so Mr. Jones, he's he's back. Nico comes in in the second quarter and balls went 38 <laughs> <laughs> Man, you were talking Mr. about Jones wants Nico to play. Yeah, I oh, I wow. mean content all week if that happens. 
Well, I, I did say, I don't know if you were in that, that group chat, uh, Zach, but I, for the game day show, I don't Matt, you don't produce the game day show, do you? You're during the week. No, I'm just, I'm just all the YouTube clips and, and right, all right. the other stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm at the um, game. I'm at the game. Yeah. There, there you go. And, and lucky you, I wish, I wish I could be at all of them, but, uh, so we, we were texting and when Joe went down, I think I, I texted something in the group chat where I was like, oh, this halftime show is about to be a lot more interesting. Yeah. Something like that. And then, of course, Joe came out on the next uh, next drive. But Miss, Mr. Jones, don't. I, I think if Nico plays, it's going to be because of injury. So let's not speak that into yeah. uh, existence there. But I mean, maybe he quick does question play for y'all. Quick question for y'all. Okay. So if we lose to South Carolina and Joe, uh, Joe overthrow, does Nico get the next start? I mean, I feel like this. I I, I feel like I mean, you got a bye week coming up. That's true. So maybe I don't know. I mean, that's that that's tough. It would be a home game, but it's still an SEC game against A and I I don't know. It'd be it'll be interesting. I think we we'll have to see like how bad and if there's drops and like yeah. If it's obviously that it's Joe, I mean, maybe. If it turns out uh, like Zach's prediction, forty-five, forty-two, and Tennessee scored a bunch at you know at Joe's hands, no. If it's 45-19 or something like that and Joe just flies off the rails, maybe. I and I don't know. If you don't do it against this defense, who are you going to do it against? Like Exactly, man. At home, just, at night. It's a weird quarterback room because our backup is a true freshman. I mean, he's 18 years old. Yeah, he's a five-star. But, I mean, it's if Joe goes down, it's like he either turns it up or he plays like – an 18 year old who's never touched an sec field before. So that's it's, it sucks. It's a weird, it's a weird QB room we got. Yeah. It's not a great like spot to be in when it comes to quarterback stuff like that, because mm-hmm. you really like, you have no like fail safe plan. Like it's Gaston more if, if both those options go down and then it's like, hope we hope we go to the Liberty bowl. Type hey, deal. hey, yeah. Gaston more in that spring game though. I mean, lit it up. Wow. So never say never. Maybe, never maybe seen that, anybody light it up in a spring game and then not like ever do anything again. Never, never. That's that. never happened. I think I could light it up in a spring game. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> I don't know about that, but any maybe, uh, maybe we could do a, a couple of predictions uh, out outside of just the Tennessee game because uh, Kentucky, Florida is. I mean, it already mm-hmm. felt like this weekend. Florida getting played close by whoever it was. Charlotte. Charlotte. I mean, it just. I think I, I got texts from a couple of different people that were like, of course, Florida goes and plays a crap game the very next week after they just beat our head in. Um, do they go to Kentucky and just lay a big fat? Because I, I feel like it's like Kentucky's going to beat them by like 17 points and it's going to be so annoying. And then Tennessee is going to go and beat Kentucky later in the season. And you're going to look and be like, what the hell? Like, why? Why is it like this? I That just feels like the most likely outcome. But do, do, what do you guys is Kentucky going to do it? Oh, their quarterback. I mean, Leary hasn't been playing that great. I don't feel like no, he was good at NC State. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just you know getting adjusted to that offense. I don't know. Kentucky does weird things. Like I, I can go with Kentucky beating Florida if it's at Kentucky. I mean, that's that is a weird place to play sometimes, and it kind of sucks the life out of a game at times. So I could I can buy Kentucky beating Florida because I still don't think Florida's that great. Really, I just think. Tennessee played really, really bad, and that that quarter just got away from them in the second quarter. You take that out, maybe that game turns out different. Yeah, I mean, 
that game is a toss up. Um, I'll, I'll agree with you, Zach. I'll go Kentucky too. Um, that it, that I think it's a toss up too, though. I mean, the SEC is just weird this year. It's it so is. weird. It's way off. It, it's way off. Just... Doesn't it? Football just feels off right now, but especially yeah. the SEC. I don't know. Well, I mean, you just look at like the Pac-12 now. I mean, Co- Colorado without Travis Hunter, they're in a sad state of affairs. I think just talent-wise, um, no matter how you you feel about Dion, but uh, Oregon looks pretty good. I mean, they yeah. they just beat their head in, and like that, it's just weird. And oh, and Washington, Washington looks like the real deal. And like that, just that right there. I'm like Washington, Oregon again. I mean, what is it? 2010. What are we doing? Um, so I is you at USC? They're they're gonna. You think uh, what's what's even the spread on that game? Like 21 or something? Oh, in Colorado, I'm not sure. It's Where's at that Colorado. Game at? Okay. I think they'll they're stand Travis, a better chance against Hunter, USC though. than they will. Oregon. Like I think Oregon's defense with Dan Lanning and the cupboard really wasn't left bare. He stepped into a pretty good situation there. I, I think they're just I don't know. They're a tougher team, I think, than USC. Not not to throw shade. I like Lincoln Riley. I think he's a good coach. I think he'll get things going there pretty well, but I like Colorado's chances better against USC than I do Oregon right now. But without Travis Hunter, it is a, a different game for sure. Twenty two point spread. I mean he literally plays both sides of the ball and makes plays yeah, on every side. It's crazy. Unreal. I, it's going to be a, a crazy environment. That's that's about the only thing. And USC's deeds is straight up butt. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Colorado's um, is too, though. Yeah, that's, that is true. Uh, okay. I think that's going to be it. Right in hour 10. Matt, man, this was great. Thanks for hopping Guys, on. Guys, I had a blast. Dude. I had a blast. Do, do you have, like, socials or anything? You can... Um, now, I, I, I'm going to stay behind the scenes right now. We'll keep it behind Good the call. scenes. Um, Honestly, producer, got to stay behind the screen, but um, I hope you guys invite me again. I had a blast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, this was great. Uh, Zach, as always, um, great show. Thanks to everybody for watching. We couldn't do this show without everybody that uh, weighs in in the comments, comes and hangs out with us, listens to the show uh, on on the, the playback on YouTube and everything. Seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you. That I don't, we're not going to have a midweek this one. We don't have, oh, but go, go back and watch the Josh Mancuso video. Go see Josh Mancuso's show uh, this week at, at the Bijou. Friday night. Friday night and the tickets just, I don't, I don't have like a link, but, but uh, Mancuso's our homie. And and so go to his show on Friday. If you're going to be in town for the game. Otherwise, I think that's pretty much it. Thanks again for watching. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.